0: Welcome to the Every Action Counts podcast, where we talk about the environmental issues and little things you can do to make an impact. We are your co-hosts. Shannon Wu. And Venisha Patel. Today, we'll be talking about sharks in modern media. So sharks in nature and in modern media are two very diverse topics. And personally, the first thing that comes to my mind is Jaws and Mm -hmm. I have been
1: scarred by Jaws. Scarred?
0: (laughs) Okay, you know what? I was forced to watch that as a kid, and I never got over how terrifying sharks are, so, sue me,
1: but... Well, I'm sure there's a bunch of other people who feel the exact same way as you do, which is exactly why we're talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jaws
0: came out in the summer of 1975, which it was a blockbuster hit at the time with getting over $470 million in revenue. So it's pretty safe to say that people are either very into sharks or very terrified by sharks. Yeah. Because,
1: yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows what Jaws is. You know that iconic music, that dun 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 dun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> True, yeah. Uh, I think that's used in every horror movie ever. To definitely dying.
1: you definitely yeah, see so, that common little shark fin and then everyone freaking out
0: yeah and then just red blossoming over the water
1: yep so
0: in terms of the fear of sharks it's actually called galeophobia, which would not have thought about that and apparently 38% of americans are absolutely terrified of swimming in the ocean due to sharks so that's a pretty good chunk of the American population.
1: So yeah, it's kind of crazy, though. How much of this do you think is based off of this movie Jaws that people started fearing it after seeing this movie and thinking, "Hey, there, are these animals are out there. They got, they can kill you." Yeah,
0: and that that's crazy to think that you know, with one movie or one. movie, series that thought of sharks are out to get me has been planted into the minds of so many people. Uh, So if we think about it, actually, you have a lesser chance of dying from a shark attack than pretty much a lot of things that we fear. So if you think about getting struck by lightning or sun exposure or drowning, actually only 10 people die from shark attacks. So If we think about it what is the ratio of human kills to shark kills out of the 10 humans that are killed on average by sharks there are over a hundred million sharks that are killed by humans in that same period of time so
1: really should we be scared of sharks not really because sharks actually do have their positive points they have some Although they are big and scary, and they- and Jaws makes you think, Oh no, are they really that bad? They do have some positivities, yeah. activities, don't they? They help with our ecosystem. They, and they do- am. they are
0: essentially considered the marine doctors because they help keep the ecosystem at a healthy level of prey and predator.
1: How can you be scared by something called a marine doctor, right? I mean, doctors are friendly. Sure. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are some people out there that would love to beg to differ.
1: Don't be scared of your doctors, guys, especially the sharks, the shark doctors.
0: <laughs> so in, in beyond the ecological impact that sharks have, they also have a huge economic impact on tourism and the beauty industry. So let's actually dive into the background of sharks, because I feel like a lot of people don't know How long sharks have actually been on this big blue
1: orb that we call home? A lot longer than we have.
0: (laughs) True. They've actually, you know, they're troopers. They've survived four out of five mass extinctions. So, you know, they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere.
1: Does that kind of make them a bit more scary though?
0: (laughs) True, but they are also resourceful. So maybe we can learn a few things. I mean, in terms of how long they've been here, they've been here for over 450 million years. So, you know, they've been here before, the first trees and the first dinosaurs. So, you know, they've learned to adapt to different environmental issues, the ice age and the global warming part one and now global warming part two. You
1: gotta give your hand up for sharks, man. They're kind of impressive, <laughs> even though they're scary. They're impressive. You can't deny that. True. So, what is their actual role called in the ecosystem? They are apex predators. Venetia, what's an apex predator? <laughs> so, so glad you asked. An apex predator
0: are actually animals that exist at very high levels hierarchy of the food chain. So they have very few natural predators and they have a lot of prey that they can feed off of in their ecosystem. Now, as apex predators, they are one of the key factors in population dynamics of the ecosystem. So without sharks, we'd probably have a lot of issues in our ecosystems, similar to how spiders help keep our insect population under control. Obviously, spiders are a lot smaller than sharks, but the point is the same.
1: (laughs) So it's a good thing that they're apex predators.
0: Yep. Especially because they are um, they're kind of, the reason they've lasted so long is because they have such varied diets. If they were reliant only on one type of fish or one type of Uh, prey, they would probably be extinct, you know, many millions of years ago. But since they are able to switch between their prey so easily, this allows them to monitor, well, not actually monitor, they're not looking at graphs, internally regulate what species they're going after, what's available to them.
1: What about these prey though? How, How are they affected by this apex predator? So in terms of prey, they
0: are actually intimidated or scared by these shark predators, which causes them to actually alter their activity in their ecosystem. So this is also called the, the, so sharks essentially affect the spatial distribution of potential prey. And that's just a fancy way for saying that the prey alter their activity and their habitat use and where they swim around to make sure that they actually survive and this will help regulate other lower trophic levels. So for example, smaller fish that feed on phytoplankton and smaller organisms will make sure to stay in a variety of areas so that way they survive and the sharks don't get them.
1: Not bad, being scared sometimes helps with the environment. (laughs) True. (laughs) Kind of crazy to think someone like that helps the entire world go around.
0: So, one of the greatest examples of the spatial distribution of prey being affected is the tiger shark because they intimidate their prey so well that they influence the behavior and location of a larger species, not just, you know, small fish and phytoplankton, but bottlenose dolphins. And when we think about it, bottlenose dolphins, you know, they're pretty high up there in the ecosystem. So, when sharks are around them and they sense, you know, impending doom, the bottlenose dolphins will actually avoid that entire area until they sense that, hey, the coast is clear, I can swim freely now. So, even though the sharks are not one of the main predators of bottlenose dolphins, they indirectly also affect their population and their patterns. It's
1: kind of interesting to think, like, Something that, even though, you though sharks don't target the bottlenose dolphin specifically, they still have an impact on their lives. It's kind of intriguing. Yeah, and it, go- it
0: just goes to show how we may think, oh, sharks are going to regulate, you know, this tiny population, but they have a lot more to do with every single part of the ecosystem and the food chain than we actually know.
1: Because in turn, whatever the bottlenose dolphin does affect something else, and so forth, so forth. The wonderful cycle of life. (laughs) Beautiful. I see something here about shark poop. Ah, yes. Can we talk (laughs) about shark poop? I feel like everyone will be interested in shark, uh, poop. (laughs) Put it plainly and simply. Like we could use a science term for poop, but shark poop is shark poop. Nutrient excretion. Shark poop. So, well,
0: yeah, but shark poop, guys. Think about uh, so if we think about shark migration and actually nutrient cycling, which basically big ways of saying how do they spread around shark poop and we think about the migration patterns of major marine species and sharks do not actually live in a certain relative location for a long period of time. They go in and out of different areas and they roam the earth. So when they migrate, they drop their excretions
1: in various
0: parts of the ocean. And they actually, this is one of the main ways that Respective habitats can be fertilized and organic matter is so important to healthy ecosystems. So when they travel long haul distances, so say they're on, you know, some marathon swimming uh, expeditions, they actually can cons- consume a certain species or certain nutrients in one location, say off the Jersey coastline since we're here and they can make the big trek to a different location and actually release that nutrient uh bundle in that area and help the fauna and flora of that location also flourish
1: hmm who knows so much poop can be so useful especially shark poop
0: Well, yeah, I mean, over the, over the decades and centuries, we've seen many environmental benefits from organic matter, whether it's horse manure, cow manure, shark manure, in this sense. Makes
1: sense, though. If poop's so helpful, why not shark poop?
0: True. So if we think about, we've been talking about ecosystems and how sharks you know, balance out everything. And when we think about sharks, when we think about bottlenose dolphins, about you but I think of Hawaii
1: yes definitely
0: (laughs) so in terms of Hawaii and a lot of the ecosystems you know one of the big tourist things is oh let's go snorkeling let's go diving and see all of the beautiful fish species that are there and the coral and the natural habitat that we all you know love to look at but don't actually realize what goes into having such a healthy ecosystem that provides a flourishing space for all of these vibrant species. So if we think about the flourishing ecosystems of Hawaii and similar locations, it exemplifies how sharks act as the doctors of the greater biome, the ocean, and they are able to Be natural forms of natural selection which is a process by which sharks prey on weaker individuals of the marine population and this breeds really strong species and also avoids uh, repopulation of weaker individuals from the same biome so talking about Hawaii and their flourishing Ecosystems, marine ecosystems. Let's actually talk about the economy because we think about sharks and we don't automatically connect it to the economy in the United States. Since over here, shark isn't really a delicacy. To, yeah, you know,
1: take part <laughs> in.
0: But in other places of the world, it's a big thing.
1: So shark is used in different ways. It could be used for food or for everyday products.
0: So if we talk about shark products, because we may not know here in the United States you know where we would find shark products. So if we think about it, shark products can be liver oil, it can be their skin, their jaws, and it can even be their meat. Now if we talk about the meat, that's actually a $150 million industry just by itself, just the shark meat.
1: Probably think it tastes gross, it probably does. But people, it's its an industry and it's... It's clearly thriving. Yeah. Even though I personally would not like to eat shark meat, but that's besides the point.
0: <laughs> right, neither would I, but... Anyways, uh, if we talk about this huge industry, it sounds like a thriving industry, but actually, because of its unsustainable practices and usually poor management for the most part, these profits are actually expected to decrease. So over the years, because not only do we have worries about the shark population, but their management practices are not really conducive to great money making.
1: And another part where sharks affect our economy, how about like tourism? Cause I know when you go on vacation, like to some beachy area, you wanna go Snorkeling with the dolphins, swimming with the sharks, stuff like that. That has to do with the economy right. too, doesn't it? Yeah, so
0: that would be targeting an industry called ecotourism. Now, ecotourism has a whole host of issues all on its own, but taking in the shark perspective, ecotourism is mostly what you mentioned, swimming and interacting with these species. Now, ecotourism, especially, you know, pre pandemic, we'll see where we're at, you know, another year, but it's a very fast growing sector in the industry of tourism because people want to experience things that they can't experience at home and most places are either landlocked or they don't have avid shark populations. So they want to go out to these fancy places or really nice beaches and take part in those things. And they they do make for great Instagram photos from the looks of it.
1: But don't you think this kind of messes with the sharks? Yeah, you are
0: right. It can be, so there are two sides of this. Some say that it promotes conservation and the idea of protecting the species, but it also deters the decline in their population. So their presence brings in revenue, but it's not really great for the natural habitats and natural regulation systems of sharks. And this leads me to a study by the University of British Columbia, where they're talking about the shark tourism industry, where the global fisheries alone are $630 million, but global tourism is $314 million. So, you know, half that amount, which is still a pretty penny. And the sharks, when they're experiencing constant harassment, I guess, by the human population, they are discouraged from following their natural migration patterns because they're so used to getting fed or getting interaction in this certain location. So they're going to remain in that location and not move around and migrate according to their internal regulations.
1: So, kind of like you're feeding a stray cat and then they keep coming back for the food.
0: Precisely. And if we think about it, when sharks are being fed by humans or they're interacting, it also makes them more likely to seek out humans because they associate humans with not the humans as food, but humans as providing them with food opportunities and so that's that could be a major factor in why we see an increased reporting of shark attacks and shark incidents in the media because sharks have begun to associate humans with food opportunities.
1: That's just maybe the sharks aren't even doing anything they just think that the human's going to give them food and then the human freaks out and then next thing you know. Okay.
0: Chomp chomp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if we think about sharks and humans as food opportunities, we also have to realize that in the ecological perspective, there's also an economic backlash to this. If ecotourism were to decrease its revenues, what type of towns and cities and the people would it be hurting? Now, the head of the World Wildlife uh, Fund's Philippines communications actually explains that after a decade, revenues from ecotourism transformed sleepy villages and are now one of the region's top tourist draws. So the local people are helped by shark and you know ecotourism, but is it good for the long term? And that's what we really have to think about as we maybe plan vacations post pandemic and think about these different opportunities and why things keep happening and why there's a prevalence of shark attacks.
1: Okay, so we were talking about how humans have benefited from all of this, but of course, this is a two-way road. If we're gonna be affected by the sharks, the sharks are gonna be affected by us. Right.
0: And one of the biggest things to remember is that sharks, as big and bad and scary as they may sound, are actually a very vulnerable species because of the exploitation carried out by human activities. And their life cycle is really not helping that because they live very long lifespans, they don't reproduce very often, and even when they do reproduce, their offspring mature very late comparatively to other marine species, so they're getting killed faster, they have a lower rate of reproduction, and those two factors pretty much translate into a huge endangerment issue. And if we keep going on the way we have, it's probably not going to bode well for the entire marine ecosystem.
1: Let's be honest here though, we're deadly afraid of sharks, but sharks should be more afraid of us. We're more of a danger to them than they are to us, to be honest.
0: You are very right, because if we think about the products that we tend to receive from the shark trade, we see a prevalence in Asian cultures in terms of their markets and One of their big delicacies is expensive shark fin soup. And earlier, we talked about shark products and the prevalence of the shark meat industry. And it's right into that because sharks are primarily targeted for their fins. And so we see sometimes uh, fisheries will capture sharks, harvest the fins, and then leave the sharks in the ecosystem and in the biome to die. That's terrible. Yeah, and if we think about that, as much as, you know, the human population might be scared of sharks, that's really heartbreaking to know that they're basically left there to die.
1: Yeah, poor sharks. So I think you're saying something like that too. I think you could pity an animal that you're, that's this big thing and in the end, we're the ones that are hurting them.
0: Right. Now, the International Union for Conservation of Nature has actually classified the oceanic white tip, poor beagle, and smooth hammerhead sharks as vulnerable species. And alongside that, the scalloped and great hammerhead sharks have been classified as
1: endangered. It's kind of nuts. They're vulnerable species. Do you ever think that you would associate the word vulnerable with a shark?
0: But here we are. It's kind of slow. And if we. Right. And if we think about, you know, just the United States, we talk about the prevalence in other countries, but just in the United States, the prevalence of shark uh, fin soup or shark fins, um, it's really a big industry in the West and Texas, apparently. And if we think about, you know, where the possession or the sale of shark fins is banned, it's not a national Movement. So some states allow it, some states don't. And without a national mandate, even for the landlocked states, you see a lot of interstate commerce when it comes to sh- uh, shark products.
1: Can we talk more about um, fishing and how that may affect sharks too? Because I think that has something to do with it too, doesn't it? Right. So
0: when when we talk about sharks and we talked about how they affect other species in their biome, also when they're being harvested and fished for, they can also incidentally harm other species through a process called bycatch. And bycatch is when non-targeted species are actually captured by humans during the fishing process. So the fisheries might be targeting sharks or similar species, but they may end up getting seabirds, dolphins, marine turtles, which in their own right are
1: endangered species for some part. Hmm, catchy thing, because you always hear about um, when fishermen, they accidentally catch a dolphin or a turtle or stuff like that, but you don't often hear about, oh, they caught a shark.
0: Right, or when, when you do see the result of fishery practices. It's usually when they're already dead and washed up on a shore or something along that. You never hear about an active situation. Uh, So if we talk about not only the practice but the gear. So modern fishing gear is very successful and has been engineered to catch the desired species but sometimes it's a all-or-nothing approach in that it captures anything that is in the path of the gear and it doesn't really discern what are we actually out here for. And by the time fishermen actually, you know, unload the haul from that catching expedition, they might have already died, have been injured, stressed, and just like humans, animals in distress are not great decision-makers and usually end up dead from that Release because they've not been properly treated, they might have lost airway support, anything like that. And bycatch as a whole is a major problem in the industry because it leads to deaths and injuries that are avoidable. It's not something that is accidental and nothing can be done about it. They are completely avoidable with proper methods and proper association of what gear is used for what
1: environment kind of stinks, though, because are you going to be able to change a bunch of people's ways of doing things?
0: Hey, well, we got to start small, right? And we are a shoreline state, so the hope is hopefully yes.
1: Well, just learning about it is just one step, isn't it?
0: It is, because if you're aware of it and you end up doing more research based on this hey you could be one of the lobbyists for the rights of these animals and ecosystem protection so everyone has to start somewhere and this could be your somewhere
1: well since we're talking about all about learning more about sharks and stuff like that and things that we could do what are some other stuff that we could do to sort of promote shark protection and conservation even though it may not seem like a lot it's these little things that could help these animals that we may be afraid of, but are really just here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they share this earth just as we do, so in terms of one of the biggest ways that humans can help, it's simple, do not use shark products. Mm -hmm. So it might be, you know, fair and simple, hey, I don't eat shark meat, what do I have to do with it? But shark products are in a lot more than just food. We talked, about, we talked about, you know, the prevalence of shark fin soup and shark meat, but you could also be using, accidentally, beauty and health products that use shark cartilage, oils, or other parts of the shark. And so it's very important that we stage boycotts against these products so that way companies know, hey. My consumers no longer support this practice. What can I do to be a more sustainable company? Now, capitalism is a very hard system to change, but it's been done and it continues to be done. So it is possible.
1: It's not that hard. You just read the label, see if it has a shark product or anything in it and just don't get it. Something as little as that can help. (laughs)
0: Right. and Or sometimes um, it may not be listed as a direct ingredient, especially if you're looking at supplements or health uh, products that are usually tablets or supplements for, I think, hair growth and uh, follicle stimulation because of the health benefits. Um, one of the biggest things in the cosmetic industry is the oil that is found in shark liver, which is squalene. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but squalene and shark liver are some of the most common sources found in the cosmetic industry. So many companies have recognized my consumers no longer support this practice, they're boycotting, or it's just not sustainable to me because of the economic impact. So they've switched to more ethical sources such as olives, rice bran. So it it can be done, it's been done.
1: That's a good thing though.
0: And talking about squalane, one of one of the most prevalent skincare companies is The Ordinary, and they actually offer a product of pure squalane for skincare because it provides surface hydration, and instead of using shark liver as a source, they have reported it to be 100% derived from plants. So that's a great sustainable alternative to shark products
1: so this talks here about seafood consumption and i don't know i like seafood i'm not sure i want to give that up but fishing does have a negative impact on sharks and it's something little that you can give up to help the shark population and we talked before about how sharks are often killed as a byproduct of commercial fishing so it's something little that you can give up but and it may seem that you Just you giving it up isn't gonna do much, but one person is better than none.
0: Right, and typically, because many of our listeners might be students or young adults, typically if you go out and educate yourself and your family members, whoever you live with, you know, usually grocery shop with, hey, that's maybe four to five to maybe even six people stopping their consumption. And that chain continues as you continue to educate more people. And so a little less consumption is better than overall consumption. And that's an important thing to remember when tackling big issues like this.
1: So we were talking this entire time about sharks and how they've been giving a lot of bad light and people are often scared of them and that's due to media portrayal and stuff like that. But we're just talking about how sharks are actually really crucial to our ecosystem and we have to protect them, right?
0: (laughs) Right, because without them, we affect the distribution of potential prey. We affect the migration patterns of other
1: animals and sharks themselves. And in the end, sharks are more affected by us than they- than we are by them. So we shouldn't be that scared of these creatures, now should we? No, we shouldn't. And even though
0: Jaws and Shark Beak may tell us, hey, be terrified of these uh, apex predators of the marine biome, just remember that humans are usually the ones that most animals are scared of. And we can make a significant impact by reducing our use of products that rely on sharks and spreading awareness and educating ourselves, as well as reducing our consumption of seafood and shark products.
1: And that's all we have for you today. Thanks for joining us on this first episode of the Every Action Counts podcast. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love for you to leave a rating on Apple podcast or tell a friend about us. Be sure to visit our website at tinyurl.com slash M-T-H-S-N-J-E-A-C for today's show notes and links to the studies we talked about in this episode. For updates on what our club is up to, follow us on Instagram at M-T-H-S-N-J-E-A-C. Remember, every action counts.